Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Your call to Flat River is ready, sir. What? Hello, Deputy Gray? Yeah, is this Mr. Dollar? Yeah, right. I've been assigned to the Colburn shooting. Uh, I got your telegram. Will you be here? Well, I have to ask you a favor. I got a plane space to Parkinson, and I understand there's a bus to a place called Divide, but I can't find any transportation into Blood River. Well, there isn't any. I'll have to meet you in Parkinson. Oh, good. I'm due, due to arrive at 4 tomorrow afternoon. Say, what about Colburn? Did he make a statement? No, he hadn't come to yet. If you want one, you better show some speed. The doc says he may not last till tomorrow. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Here's a taste treat you can enjoy indoors, outdoors, at work, or at play. The cool, long-lasting mint flavor refreshes you. The smooth, steady chewing helps keep you fresh and alert. Adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Tri-State Life and Casualty Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Blood River matter. Expense account item one, $240, transportation and incidentals between Hartford and Parkinson. I was paged at the airport and given a note that directed me to St. Paul's Hospital, where I was met by Deputy Sheriff Tom Gray. I brought Coburn in here this morning trying to pump some blood into him, I guess. Nothing like a hospital out in Blood River. Any improvement? Yeah, I don't think so. Slugs from a 45, four of them. If it was me, I'd have left him where he was. Moving him 40 miles didn't do him no good. Um, what did this insurance company send you out for? Mm, just a routine check. When a policyholder gets shot up, they like to know why and by whom. How much insurance he has? $50,000 worth. Oh, I didn't know that. Who's it go to? Frank Coburn, a son, and Mary Coburn, a daughter. Oh. Do you have any leads, Sheriff? Leads? Oh, I got what the hired girl said. What was that? I didn't hear about it. Oh, she was a witness. She was in the kitchen that night. Man knocked on the door, asked for some grub. Old Coburn walked in, started to shoo him away, and a man shot him down. Have you got him? No, not yet, but a posse's out hunting him. We'll find him. Come on, operating room's down this way. Any news? Uh, not yet, Mary. Hello, Frank. I didn't know you two were here. Yeah, we came in as fast as we could. Now, this is Dollar. He's from your pa's insurance company back east. Miss Coburn, Frank. Who sent for you, Dollar? The insurance company was notified of the shooting. They asked me to come out. Why? 
I don't think this is the time to talk about it. Uh, it's just the way they work, Frank. They like to look into things like this. Come on, Dollar, in here. Oh, Tom, wait. Can't we go in, too? The doctor told us to wait here, but we've got a right to go in if anybody has. Well, I, I guess you have, Mary, but the doctor probably thought it'd be easier for you this way if, you know, if something went wrong, you know? Well, it isn't. I want to be with him. I, I have a right to be. All right, Mary, if that's the way you want. You too, Frank? I don't see how it'll do anybody any good, but I'll come. son, Frank, was a huge man, well over six feet in his high-heeled boots. But the figure on the operating table must have towered over him during better days. I learned later that Max Colburn was more than a man. He was already a legend in the Blood River section. But here, under the intense glare of a battery of overhead lights, and under the probing instruments of the surgeon, Colburn was a great deal less than a man. Through the concealing sheets, you could realize the disintegration of his body and his massive head, skin now bloodless and drawn, had already taken on the aspects of a skull. I knew he'd never make a deathbed statement, but we stood there and waited two hours for him to die. That's all, nurse. Jot down the time, please, and notify the car now. Yes, sir. 6.15. Oh, now, Mary, don't do that. It, it won't do no good. Oh, Tom. What'll I do? What'll I do? You'll be all right, Mary. Frank, take her out of here, will you? Come on, Mary. There's nothing anybody can do now. If it had been me, Doc, I'd... Never brought him in. Old Bull might have made it in Blood River. I'm sorry, Gray. He had to be moved. No facilities at all out there. That's your business, I guess. It was point-blank range, Gray. Multiple punctures of the stomach, single puncture of the right lung. He had to be moved. Uh, how do you do? Johnny Dollar, Doctor. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Dr. Fulton. Uh, Mr. Dollar is representing the insurance company. How do you do? I'm sorry I couldn't save him, Dollar. Uh, you did everything you could. Yeah. Who was it that uh, shot him, do you know? Not yet. I hope you'll find him. Max Colburn was a fine man. Yeah, the best. Now, what are you going to do now, Dollar? Go to Blood River? I'm still not satisfied about this thing. I'll put you up in my place. There's no hotel. Oh, thanks. I'd appreciate it. Well, nice to meet you, Dollar. Too bad it couldn't have been under better circumstances. You should never have brought him in. Well, he probably knew what he was doing. You think he shouldn't have been brought in? Why'd you let him? You're supposed to be the sheriff out here. There's nothing I could do to stop him, Frank. No, and there didn't seem to be anything you could do before to stop it either. Oh, now, calm down, Frank. The county don't pay you to run around with my sister. If you'd been spending half the time on your job that you do with her, this wouldn't have happened. That's enough, Frank. Now, shut up. And if Mary don't know, it's mostly your fault. I'm going to tell her. He's a hot-headed buzzard. Yeah, I noticed. Can we make it to Blood River tonight? Yeah, we can make it, all right. Uh, look, Dollar, I want to tell you something. It's a funny little place, only about 300 people in it. They aren't going to like you butting in. They don't like strangers. I'm used to that. Okay, as long as I told you. My Jeep is out in the back in the parking lot. It was only 40 miles to the village of Blood River. It took us until 9.30 to get there. But long before then, I had begun to feel the place. It was at the foot of a range of mountains that rose sheerly from a narrow, choked valley. And it was the mountains that gave the feeling of oppression. In the moonlight, they seemed to be leaning over the village, ready to destroy it at any moment. Gray had comfortable quarters in his cabin office. I slept fairly well. And the next morning, he drove me out to the village, to the Colburn Ranch. Quite a layout. 
There's only 400 acres now. Colburn used to own the whole valley. There's open range up in the hills there. Well, this is the best fattening range in the whole... Will you get away, Duke? Is that dog dangerous? <laughs> yeah, could be, I guess. He's the old man's dog. He knows something's wrong, but he don't know what. That's right, isn't it, Duke boy? Yeah. Now, go away. Go away. Go on, boy. Go well, come on, we'll go up to the house. Hard girl will be in the kitchen, I suppose. Oh, cut it out, Duke. He's all right. Now, shut up, will you? <laughs> he don't see many people dressed like you. He's got nothing on me. I don't see many dogs like him. Millie, it's Tom Gray. I don't want to talk about it no more, Tom. I told you what I saw happen. Here's a man from back east. He wants to talk to you. Why? You tell him what I said. I did, Millie, but he wants to hear it from you. I see it all happen again. That's why I don't want to talk about it. But I will if I got to. Well, thanks, Millie. I'll make it short as I can. Go on, Duke. Now, you stay outside, boy. Go on. Go on. Well, this is where it happened, darling. He's lying right there. This way with his head on the table. Uh, two of the slugs hit the wall there. Hey, you see the marks? Yeah. Was he lying face up? That's right. Went over backwards. Shot from about here, I'd say. Is that right, Millie? I don't know. I went in the sitting room when I saw there was going to be trouble. How much did you see? I told Tom. It was after supper and I was cleaning up. A stranger come to the door and said he was hungry. I yelled to Mr. Colburn. I have to ask him about things. And he started right away to run him out. I fed a lot of strangers. I never heard him act that way before. Did it sound like he knew this stranger? I couldn't tell. He started cussing at him, and I run in the sitting room and held my hands over my ears till the shooting. Then I screamed. According to the description you gave Sheriff Gray, the man was short, stocky, with dark hair and heavy eyebrows. Now, can you remember anything else about him? I can remember one thing more. He was wearing some kind of a coat and had a newspaper in one pocket. Mm-hmm. Would you recognize him again if you saw him? Oh, yes. I'll never forget him. Why haven't you caught him, Tom? We'll get him. Did you see him after you heard the shot? No. I run back in here and saw Mr. Colburn. Then I run outside screaming. Randy come out of the bunkhouse. I didn't see the man. That's Randy Drew. He didn't see this stranger coming or going. Colburn's son and daughter, where were they? They wasn't here. I don't know where Miss Colburn was, but Frankie, Mr. Colburn wasn't home yet from riding fence. Millie. What? You telling the truth? Yes. You aren't protecting anybody. Of course I ain't protecting anybody. Why should I do anything like that? Who would it be? I only asked, Millie. That's all I want here, Sheriff. Good enough. Thanks for the help, Millie. It looks like it's going to storm. And how old is she? Huh? No, oh, about 20, I guess. With a little work, she could be an attractive girl. She's peculiar. She grew up outside, but never quite did inside. How does she and Frankie get along? Uh, pretty good, I guess. What are you driving at? Sometimes that stranger story sounds just a little too pat. But hold on. I take it that's the bunkhouse? Yeah, that's it. Now, how could somebody kill Coburn and then get across all this open yard before anyone ran out to check on the shooting? I don't know. I guess shooting out here don't mean what it does where you come from. Folks here do a lot of shooting. Well, Millie said she screamed. It's pretty dark here, too. Mountains cut off the sun about 4 o'clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so. I told you we found a gun in a ditch near here. She said she had a newspaper in his pocket. The gun was wrapped in one when we found it. Who's this? What? That looks like Charlie Baxter. Oh, yeah, it is. He was in the posse. I wonder what he's steaming that horse about. What's the matter, Baxter? We got, him. We got the killer. We found him a silver star. Oh, well, good. Where is he now? We're bringing him to your place. It's Elmer Bryce. He came back? You better get in there. Right. Uh, you stay here and bring Millie in. She'll have to identify him. Use the truck. Okay. Let's get on back to town, Dollar. Who's Elmer Bryce? He used to be a hand here, just flunky. Kept the rain string watered. Choked a colt to death with a rope, and old man Coburn darn near killed him. When was this? Oh, two years ago. You know, in 35 years of ranching, Elmer Bryce was the first hand the old man ever had to fire. Folks around here ran him right out of the country. The thunder.
thunderstorms swept in over the mountains and began to drench the valley during the trip back to the village. A group of maybe a dozen curious were huddled in slickers outside Gray's office waiting for a look at the prisoner. He arrived by car, went through the formalities of arrest, and a few minutes later, Colburn's hired girl walked into the office and faced him. That's him. He's the one. You swear on a Bible, Millie? Yes, I could never forget him. Okay. You can go on back to the ranch. Thanks for coming in. I'm glad they caught you. Oh, Millie. When they kill you, maybe I can sleep without seeing it happen all over again. That's enough, Millie. All right. Hey, the one, Millie? Well, Bryce, you're under arrest. Anything you say will be used against you. I didn't kill him. You deny being at the ranch? I was at the ranch, but I didn't kill him. What did you do? Uh, I I was hungry. I I thought I could get something to eat. He owes it to me. I can't get one no place because he talked about me so much. Nobody will hire me on account of the way he talked. It was my fault that Colt talked. He kept pulling and the rope jammed. Colbert, he told people I was crazy and I did it for fun. That ain't right. What happened at the ranch? Well, I asked the girl for something to eat. She called Mr. Colburn. He come and cussed me out and told me to get off his land. And I left. Well, he says when he cussed you out, you killed him. I don't care what she says. What kind of a gun do you carry? I ain't got no gun, and you can't prove I killed him. Of course, I never did. Him two is great. We want Elmer Price. Why did you go to his ranch instead of some other? I told you. Because he owes me something. What he done to me? Why don't you tell the truth so we can get on with this? Huh? I didn't kill him. You hated him. Uh, I hate a lot of people. Listen to them. Who is it? Let me come in. Just a minute. All right, come in. Gathered fast, Gray. Must be near to a hundred out there now. They sent me in to say they wanted Bright. Well, they can't have him. You know how they feel about old man Colburn. They want his killer for themselves. I didn't kill him. Nobody can prove I did. I think you've waited long enough, Sheriff. You better get this man into a car and get out of here. All right. Come on, Bright. On your feet. I ought to give you to him. I don't care. Give me a hand, Dollar. Sure. Faster we move, the better. Open the door, Baxter, and start out. We'll be right behind you. All right, let's go. Move, Bright. Come on, move. Now go home, folks. Anderson there, you go home. And Phil, you know better than to do this. Go on home. Why, get away, right? We don't need no outsiders. Man, take care of this outsider. I got the killer. Use your head. This won't do any good. Mr. Packer, you ain't gonna stop it. Oh! There was no stopping them. I caught a last glimpse of Bryce's face as I went down into the mud of the street. Then there was nothing but hundreds of thrashing legs carrying the mob and their victim to a waiting truck. Blood River was in the process of living up to its name. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. The lively, full-bodied real mint flavor cools your mouth, moistens your throat, freshens your taste. And the chewing itself gives you a little lift, helps you keep going at your best. So for real chewing enjoyment that's refreshing and long-lasting, always keep Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. Healthful, delicious Wrigley Spearmint Gum will make every day more enjoyable. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Deputy Sheriff Gray had fared worse than I, a boot heel had stunned him. So it was 15 minutes before we got underway in the jeep. We found Elmer Bryce on the road to the Colburn Ranch, hanging from a bridge. We took his body back to the sheriff's office in the now silent village. You gotta understand how they felt about Colburn before you can begin to understand their actions. I'll never understand. I've never been part of a mob. And neither have I. Neither have they. But this is something special. The old man is gonna break up the rest of his land and parcel it out. He's done it before. He was loyal to the Blood River folk, and it meant they could have the land of their own. Could never afford it except the way he sold it. You're in a bad spot, aren't you? 
What are you going to do about this lynching? I'd like to call back the last hour and a half. That's what I'd like to do about it. Should have kept Bryce out of Blood River, but I didn't know. These people are my friends. I'll have to go into Parkinson and name as many of them as I saw. That's what you pay for wearing a badge, I guess. Uh, Lousy break. Is there anything I can do? I think I better strap on a gun. For the first time since I got this job. Uh, see there on the desk, the receipt I made out when I took Bryce's personal things? I better have that. Is it there? Yeah, it's here. Sheriff? What? What's this? Who signed this? Charlie Maxwell. He signed because Bryce couldn't write. That's his ex just above there. He couldn't write? No, he wasn't much for brains. You saw that. He couldn't write his own name, but he carried a newspaper around with him? Why? Just to have it handy for wrapping guns? Or did he learn to read without learning to write? Oh, it's going to be a strange kind of justice, Sheriff. If he was telling the truth in your village killed an innocent man, those that go free will live with that for the rest of their lives. I'll leave the Jeep with you. I'll drive Maxwell's pickup into Parkinson. Yeah, thanks. Uh, there's some of my clothes and boots you can wear. Better get out of them wet ones. And just take this advice, will you? Don't go throwing your weight around. It's going to send them crazy. Be careful. I'll be back after supper. The single street was still silent and empty when I left the Colburn Ranch. The mountains were closing in again. There should have been lights in the windows of the houses, but instead they were dark. And I could feel the eyes of the people who stood inside them, watching me pass. Finally, almost at the edge of town, a knot of men stepped from a doorway and waved me to a stop. Where's Tom Gray? He went into Parkinson. What for? To report the lynching. Lynching? Hear that, boys? He says somebody strung up the killer. I don't believe it. What I hear, he hung himself. Good. Why are you trying this out on me? I'm not here to arrest you. I couldn't if I wanted to. What are you doing here? I'm still looking for Max Colburn's murderer. Bryce hung himself. He shouldn't have, because he wasn't guilty. Who says that? Sheriff Gray and I. There was nothing against him but your personal feelings and some circumstantial evidence. He's the one who done it. He even said so. Said what? That he went to the ranch first off. Why else would he do that? He was hungry. Now, come on. Get out of my way. If you people think the rest of the story will help you peace of mind, any, I'll try to get it for you. But Bryce was innocent. Think about that for the time being. Come on, move it, Ben. I'm coming through. Let him go, Ben. Come on, boys. He can't hurt us. belong to a friend of yours. (laughs) Who is it? Johnny Dollar, Miss Colburn. Oh. Who is it, Mary? It's Mr. Dollar, Frank. Oh, yeah. Come on in, Dollar. Thanks. We uh, heard about Bryce. I'm sorry it went that way. Any man, I, I don't care what he is, has a a right to a trial. Yeah. Lynching is one of man's least pleasant habits. This one especially, it looks like Bryce was innocent. No, he wasn't. Millie said he was the one. There could have been a lot of things wrong with her statement. She didn't see it happen. She only heard it. Somebody else could have taken advantage of Bryce's visit and done the shooting himself. I don't follow you. He did come out here. He admitted it. But I don't think he killed your father. He hated him. Mary, stop that. Sure, he hated him. Everybody knew it. With that Millie's statement... Who would bother to look any further than poor, dim-witted Elmer Bryce? Oh, Frank. Oh, Frank, Frank. Shut up, Mary. Go on in the other room. Wait a minute. What's the matter with her? She's upset. Frank, you killed him. Shut up. (laughs) You'd like that to be true, wouldn't you? You said you would. You said you wouldn't. You killed him. I'm going to the sheriff, Frank, and don't try to stop me. She's off her head. Like everybody else in this blasted hole. Yeah? Why should she have said that? Because I lost my temper one night. 
Told the old man he better blow his own brains out before I did it for him. Because he forgot how to think with them. When was that? A couple of weeks back. Maybe I was hot enough to mean it at the time, but I... Well, I cooled off. I wouldn't kill my own pa. Well, there goes your sister, Frank. Sheriff Gray mentioned that he was going to sell the rest of his land. Was that the cause of the trouble? Yeah. He didn't care what happened to his kids. I told him with all the war talk, this was the time to hang on to it. Restock the herds and get ready to make some money. Ranch is yours now. That's right. Mine and Mary's. Where were you when your father was killed? I was riding fences up by Red Knoll. Do you have any way to prove that? Any witnesses? You don't run into anybody up that way. That's our land. Folks stay off it. What about it, Frank? What about it? There's a lot stacked up against you. I know it. You can depend on my sister. You and anybody else would like to string me up for it. What about Millie? Was she in it with you? In it? Now, wait. Don't get the wrong idea. I didn't kill my pa. There's a lot stacked up against you. Well, there are places to go. I don't like jails and courtrooms. I think I'll just fade until it blows over. That's not the way. You won't make it. You're going to stop me? I'm being paid to see this thing cleaned up. I'll have to try. Get out of my way, Dollar. You sit down until the sheriff gets you. Get away from the door. You're an outsider. It's none of your affair. Now get out of the way. I said get out of the way. What's this to you? Stay where you are. You can't make me... No, I don't want to have to kill you. So don't get up. Frankie. What do you want, Millie? What are you doing with that gun? You've got to kill him, Frankie. Get out of here. You've got to. For me. Why? Because I lied. I lied to everybody. What about? About your pa. Elmer Bryce didn't kill him. Millie. Because I did. I killed him for you. You told me that night you wished he was dead. You remember that night? I remember, Millie. And I told you I'd do anything for you. Remember that? Anything. Yeah, I remember. I lied. Elmer Bryce came, but I stayed in the kitchen and heard everything he said. I knew he hated your pa, and after he ran away, I thought about it. You're crazy, Millie. I waited for a while. When I knew nobody saw that man leave, I yelled to your pa again. And when he come in, I shot him. That night, I threw away the gun. What's the matter with you, Millie? You know what's the matter. Now, you can't run off and leave me. You've got to help me. I can't help you. you you've got to kill this man. I won't do it, Millie. Then you've got to take me away with you. I'm not going away now. I don't have to. I didn't have anything to do with it. This is the end for you and me. All right, Frankie. Hey, get down. Don't. Don't do it. Kill her. Stop it. Let go. All right. I did it for him. Now I don't care what happens to me. As far as I was concerned, that was it. Frank Coburn lost a lot of blood, but not his life. And his sister still had to live at the ranch with her ill-tempered brother. The hired girl who brought all this about was taken by the sheriff. When I left Blood River, the state had moved in to see what it could do about the lynching. But what that is, I don't know. The entire village was guilty of murder. What could anybody do about that? All I know is that the original murder was not committed with the idea of insurance fraud. And in spite of the mess I got into, that's what I was hired to learn. Expense account item two, same as item one. Expense account total, $740. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, friends, to make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. There's lots of cooling, real mint flavor in every stick. And chewing Wrigley Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert. You feel better, work better, get more fun out of doing things. So indoors, outdoors, wherever you go, 
keeps some healthful, refreshing Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to delicious Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is brought to you by Wrigley Spearmint Gum and stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role, written by Gil Dowd, with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can now be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, 7-Eleven Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Virginia Gregg, Bill Conrad, Junius Matthews, Sammy Hill, Clayton Post, Tyler McVeigh, Dave Light, and Howard Culver. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Dovay. <laughs> The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you've enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum every day. We invite you to join us again next week at the same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. The Hallmark Playhouse, which is heard during most of the year at this time on Thursdays, has nearly finished its summer vacation. Be with us when Hallmark Playhouse returns to CBS four weeks from tonight on September 7th. Now from Hollywood, it's time for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. I'm glad you're in, Dollar. This is Barton, Chief Adjuster at Cosmopolitan All Risk. When can I see you? I hope it doesn't have to be tonight. I'm ready for bed. I'm afraid it does have to be tonight. I just got a call from a city fire inspector. There's a four-alarm blaze in the Hartford Alliance building. We carry the fire policy. Does Inspector phone you? Does he suspect arson? More than that. They picked up the man who said it. That policy is for over $300,000. I'd like you to sit in while this guy makes a statement. Okay, Barton. I'll meet you there. Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Cosmopolitan All-Risk Insurance Company. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Hartford Alliance matter. Expense account item one, 250 cab fare from my apartment to the scene of the fire. Hey, Mark, can't you give us any more pressure? I'm feeding four lines now. Sorry. Do we have the chemical hose right over here, Woodruff? There it is, Captain. Watch it there, mister. Oh, yeah. Through here, we'll hit it from the third window there. Dollar, hey, Dollar. Right over here, Barton. Hey, Barton, here. Oh. oh. Everything outlines against that place. I couldn't see over here. Out of harm's way. Hey, that building was a bad risk. Is there any steel in it? Yeah, maybe a little in the plumbing, but it's no worse than most in this neighborhood. Somebody's got to insure them. Who owns it? His name is Clarence Pickett. I don't know too much about him. I understand the blaze started there in the ground floor corner office. Yeah, that's right. The Hartford Alliance Loan Company. An off-duty policeman saw it start as he was driving by and then grabbed this kid as he was heading it down the alley. A kid? Yeah, about 19 or so. They took him down, but we can question him when they get through. And uh, and they're sure he's the one. He was running away. Hey, hey, look at that wall below the second floor window. Yeah, yeah. Get out of there. Get back away from that wall. Expense account item two, a dollar and seventy-five cents cab fare to police headquarters where I met Sergeant Broderick, the officer in charge. Uh, this kid's a queer one. I don't know what you'll get out of him. He wouldn't even give us a name to book him under. Nothing on him that would identify him? Nothing. He must have stripped his pockets. Well, the fact that he down near killed a bunch of men might help loosen him up, huh? I wish you luck. And this is it. Are you uh, all ready, Martin? I'm all loaded, yes. We're going in to talk to him. When we 
finish, I'll bring him out. He'll be in front of me. Right. What's that for? We'll get a photograph, snap one as he comes out the door. Can't get a halfway natural one any other way. Then we'll have it published and try to find out who he is. Right, go ahead. All right, son, get on your feet. These men want to talk to you. It won't do you any good to talk to me. I don't want to talk about anything, and I won't. Did you set that fire? Yeah, I said it. Why? It doesn't make any difference why. I said it, and I'm ready to take anything that's coming to me. Have you set any other fires? If you mean am I one of those arson nuts, I'm not. And why'd you set it? Why do you keep asking me questions when I told you I wasn't going to answer any? Your fire almost killed some men a few minutes ago. It may do it yet. I didn't think about that. I'm, I'm sorry. I had to do it. Why? I can't tell you. Leave me alone. Somebody hire you to do it? It doesn't make any difference. Why won't you tell us who you are? Because I don't want you to know. I don't want anybody to know who I am. I don't want a trial or anything. I'll plead guilty to everything. To setting the fire and to killing firemen, everything. Just give me what's coming to me and leave me alone. Let me see your hands. Why? Let me see them. No! Hey, let go, will you? Hey, let go! Up, That's all I want. Uh, What was that for? I wanted to find out what kind of a kid he is. He's not tough. His hands are clean, nails trimmed. There's a mark left by a ring on a third finger left hand. Class rings, my guess. I've had enough for now, Sergeant. Okay, we're turning him over to the psychiatrist in the morning. All right, son, on your feet. I'm going to put you to bed now. Come on. Keep moving. Hold it now. Hey, give me that. Give me that camera. You can't take my picture. What are you trying to do, man? Expense account item three, seven dollars. Transportation and general costs the next morning spent while running down the financial condition of Mr. Clarence Pickett, owner of the burned-out building. At 1 p.m., I looked for him at his home, and at 1.45, I found him viewing the charred remains of the Hartford Alliance building. Mr. Pickett? You were pointed out to me by one of the workmen. My name is Dollar. I'm working for Cosmopolitan All Risk. And I suppose they are as trouble as I am over this. My office was right there, the corner one on the third floor. That's right over the spot where the fire started. Yes, so I've been advised. And I was reminded as to how many nights I've been working there at the hour it broke out. You haven't assayed the loss already, have you? That's not my job, Mr. Pickett. I'm not an adjuster. I'm a private investigator. Oh. Well, I suppose under conditions such as we find ourselves, it'd be reasonable to expect investigation. Who is that strange boy? And why did he do this thing? You've seen his picture in the paper there. I was going to ask you if you knew him. I? Well, of course I'd. What are your insinuations, young man? Look, Mr. Pickett, the conditions, as you call them, are not at all clear. An insurance company feels it has a right to make plenty of insinuations... When it's up against a fire of incendiary origin. Go on. I was able to learn this morning that financially, you are not a healthy man. You rotten snoop. You've taken some pretty heavy losses on the exchange in the past few months. I've dealt in stocks, bonds, and property for a long time. When the day comes that I have to burn myself out to recoup my losses... Oh, go away. I don't want to talk to you any further. I'm afraid it can't stop here. Will you come down to police headquarters and face that boy they picked up? I will not. Why won't you? Because I have no reason to. I've never seen him, and I don't chase him. On the strength of your refusal, I think a court order could force you to. You, you do that? I certainly would. So you have nothing to lose by coming without one. Very well, Mr. Dollar. And I'll see you choke on your own insults. <laughs> Sit down, Mr. Pickett. I want you to understand that this is routine procedure and in no way an accusation of any kind. Oh, Ross, a few words to whitewash a violation of my rights. Help yourself to the desk chair, Dollar. Thank you. All right, Dr. Herbert. Will you bring the boy in now? Mr. 
Forgive Mr. Dollar, our psychiatrist, Dr. Herbert. How do you do, Doctor? Gentlemen. All right, son. Remember, this is serious. Now, have you ever seen this man before? Yes, I have. What? Tell me who he is. He owns the building. Hired me to set the fire. But that's not true. He gave me $50 and promised me 50 more. Well, he's lying. I've never seen him before in my life. Why would he lie? Well, how should I know? Because he's insane. He's trying to use me to hide something else. Son, where's the money? I spent it. I didn't get the other 50. <laughs> These are bald-faced lies. It sounds like a scheme of the police. Well, it'll not be as easy as that. I'll not put up with another m- moment. I'll see counsel before I speak with you again. Yeah, I couldn't hold him. We can pick him up later. Either of you want any more with this one? I'll see him later this afternoon. Nothing for me right now. All right, son, come on. We'll go back to that room and talk some more. What do you think, Doctor? Uh, there is a greatly troubled and very confused young man. I could do very little to help him. A psychiatrist needs cooperation. He fought me every moment of the consultation. You think he was telling the truth about Pickett? It's hard to say. It could be true. On the other hand, as a falsehood, it could be classed as one aspect of this tremendously strong desire to keep some secret hidden. How would he know that Pickett was the owner of the building? That would be quite simple. Newspaper was shown to him this morning in an effort to force him to reveal his identity. That's right. There's still no key to who he is, eh? None. I've learned only that he seems to be, well, should we say, a well-bred boy, fairly well-educated, who was tortured by something in the building that he feared and hated. The fire started in the offices of the Hartford Alliance Loan Company. Do you think a debt that the boy couldn't pay off would be a strong enough motive to drive him to arson? Uh, unless it were a debt of shame. No. Well, we have to start someplace. Loan company is a better lead than what we've had so far. Say, you sure the kid isn't making this up, that he's not a psychopathic? The psychopath is only an emotionally immature individual. And two of us can say that we have reached emotional maturity or what it is. After hearing the doctor out to the bitter end, I knew no more about the arson case than I'd known before. Expense count item four, $1.75, cab fare back to the ruins of the Hartford Alliance building. Only a guard from the fire department was there, and a workman who was busy in the same office I wanted to look over. I wouldn't come in here if I were you. You'll get dirty and it isn't too safe. I'll be all right. What do you want? Well, I got no okay K from the guards out there. I'm an investigator working on this case. Oh, go ahead, then. This loan outfit hired me to bring out their stuff that isn't burned, but it's all mixed up with the stuff from upstairs. Caved in. Yes, fires are a mess. And a safe from up there fell through, and I can't tell one from the other. I wouldn't be surprised if the whole floor came next. What's left of it? What are you looking for? I don't know. What was upstairs? Uh, An employment agency, from what I picked up. Maids and butlers and that kind of thing. There's the one safe, and that's the other. Can you tell them apart? Why don't you take both of them out and open them? Yeah, well, all right. Give me a hand, will you? Sure. This one's almost covered up. Hey, what's that? Sounds like a timber. Let's move. Hey, there's stuff above. Yeah. Yeah, there's someone up there. Come on, this way. Come on. Hey! Hey, you up there! Hey! Hey! The highest standard of living, the highest wages, and the shortest hours. All this plus the time-honored guarantee of individual freedom. Where else will you find all these advantages but under our American economic system? Help to preserve that system. It has brought more benefits to more people than any other system ever devised. Now with our star Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar. This Bart, Johnny. How do you feel this morning? Oh, rotten. How about the workman? Bad, still unconscious, fractured skull, and something about his back. 
Well, I guess I feel better than he does. Hey, Barton. Yeah? That cave-in was no accident. What's that? There was a man on the floor above us. It's one of the last things I remember. He was looking down at us, holding a crowbar. Why didn't you say something about it yesterday? I wasn't thinking straight. You don't after a crack in the head like that. But I began to remember last night. Uh, Are you sure of this, Dollar? I guess it'll be hard to prove. There were two safes in there. One from the Hartford Alliance Loan Company and the other from the Hartford Alliance Employment Agency. It had fallen through from the office above. I don't get it. I don't either. But we just decided to move both of them out because you couldn't tell them apart without looking at their contents. And that's when the roof fell in. And you're trying to work out a connection. Oh, I don't know. Say, what about the kid? Has he been identified? Not yet. He still insists that Pickett paid him to set the blaze. Hard to prove, but I'm following it up. I wouldn't build a case on it yet. I'll try some more coffee and aspirin, and when I can make it, I'll go down and talk to the kid again. What's the matter with you? Oh, get out of here, will you? I'd like to. I wish I'd never heard of you, much less seen you. But it's my job to clean this thing up. That means putting as much evidence as I can get into the hands of the people who hired me. So settle back. I might be working on you until you're middle-aged. Pickett hired me. I told you that. Speaking as an insurance man, I'd like to believe that's true. But I don't think it is. I think something in the building was behind that fire. He paid me to do it. And why would somebody try to kill a workman and me because we were pulling a couple of office safes out of the wreckage? I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Pickett hired me. What does the Hartford Alliance Loan Company mean to you? Nothing. I don't know anything about it. Or the Hartford Alliance Employment Agency? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Nothing does. I can't tell you anything. Leave me alone, will you? I can't tell you anything. Please. That afternoon, his silence stopped paying off, and his picture in the paper started to. A woman phoned in to say that she thought she recognized him. And at six that evening, I was standing on her doorstep in the little resort village of Pine Orchard. Mrs. Landry? Yes. My name is Dollar. I talked to you after you phoned the police in Hartford. Oh, yes, Mr. Dollar. Won't you come in? Thank you. It was just the strangest thing about the way I happened to see that Hartford paper. Nobody out here takes it, you know. But I went down to the drugstore to buy a movie magazine, and something just pulled my eyes to this paper, and there was Billy Brandon. You're sure of it? I've known him since he was a tight. I worked for his people, you know. That was before Mrs. Brandon passed on three years ago. I can't imagine what could have got into Billy to be in such awful trouble. Is his father still alive? Oh, my, yes. A splendid man. And they live here in Pine Orchard? Only in the summer. They're from Chicago. But they have a huge estate here. Loads of money. Mr. Brandon is in Florida fishing. Poor man, I don't suppose he even knows. Hmm? The police are trying to locate him. Yes, I just don't know what to think of it. How could Billy cause his poor father such shame? Mrs. Landry, do you know if there's anyone on the estate now that I could talk to? Uh, Nobody that lives in. Mr. Meek, the gardener, lives just down the street. He told me just yesterday that that woman they kept out there left her job without so much as locking up the house. Who is she? Their maid. An out-of-town girl. From your home, Hartford, some employment agency center. Employment agency? That's what Mr. Meek told me. Mrs. Landry, do you know if it was the Hartford Alliance Employment Agency? Alliance, yes, that was it. It's their business, I suppose, but there are plenty of good girls right here in town. Mrs. Landry, what was her name, do you know? No, I don't, but Mr. Meek lives just down the street. He'd know. <laughs> name turned out to be Belle Muir. And with that information, I pried Sergeant Broderick loose from a friendly poker game after I'd gotten back to Hartford. 
I met him in the file room at headquarters. Oh, come on in, Dollar. We'll see what we can dig up. Now, uh, give me your theory again, will you? Well, according to your psychiatrist, young Brandon was afraid of something in that building. It would seem that somebody else was afraid to see one of the two safes leave. How sure are you of that? I saw a man pry the wall loose. Did you identify him? Probably not. I just caught a flash. But the fact that the Brandons had hired a girl from the agency sort of falls into place, doesn't it? Don't you smell blackmail? Uh, we'll see. You want to check our files on the girl, right? Both the girl and the manager of the agency, Benjamin Price. Uh, what's her name again? Uh, Belle Muir. M-U-I-R. M-U... Uh, here it is. Yeah, here's a Muir, Adelaide. Ah, how's that for a record? Look at that. They never learn. Mullen, Mullen, Mullen. That's it. No more Muirs. Mm. Can we try Price now? Sure. Here's the mail file over here. E-R-I. Price, Price, Price. A. Adolf. Dollar. Benjamin? Benjamin L. Benjamin L. Yeah, here he is. What do you know about that? What's on him? 1939, suspected of fraud, no indictment. 1944, suspected of receiving stolen goods, no indictment. Suspicion of fraud again in 48, no indictment. What about young Brandon? Can I talk to him? It won't do any good tonight. He's in the hospital under sedatives. Oh, you can't help feeling sorry for him. At least I can Especially if it's blackmail. Yeah, I know. His father's due in tomorrow afternoon. Maybe he can do something with him. Well, I'll see if I can get authorization from the bunco detail to follow this through. Tomorrow, we'll look into that setup. Do you care if I go ahead tonight? Where are you going? Belle Muir's. Why start with her? A couple of reasons. With a background of suspicions, but no indictments like that, Price must be smart. And I'd like her to talk to him before I do. Put him on guard and see what his next move will be. Okay, Dollar. There's no way I can stop you. You've been lucky so far. Don't foul it up now. Lucky? Huh. I'll trade you my headache for your poker losses any day. The discovery of Benjamin Price's name in the police file wasn't the only development to take place at headquarters. The desk sergeant had a message, which he passed along just before I left. The workman who had been with me in the office, when the wall had come down on us, had died of his injuries. It wasn't just an arson case any longer. I found Belmure at home, in the ground floor apartment, low-income neighborhood. Her reaction when I introduced myself gave me nothing. She invited me in, apologized for some nylons drying on the back of a chair, and invited me to sit down. I can't believe that Mr. Brandon would do such a thing. Why would he? I think he was being blackmailed. Oh, a nice young man like him. I don't think he'd ever do anything he could be blackmailed for. He's too nice. Have you ever heard of anybody but... People with nice reputations standing still for blackmail? Oh, I can't believe it. And I don't understand about the fire. Why would he do that? To try and stop the blackmailers. Now, you're the only connection we've found between the building and the Brandons. I hoped you could help us. Help you? I don't know anything about it. You got your job with the Brandons through the Hartford Alliance Employment Agency? Yeah, I've been signed with them for over a year. Is there any way they could have gotten a hold of any information they could use against the boy? I don't see how. And I swear, I don't know what it could be. Young Mr. Brandon was almost too nice, if you know what I mean. No, just what do you mean? Well, I've had trouble with some of these spoiled rich men's sons, but Mr. Brandon never looked twice at me. Listen, you don't think that I... Why'd you leave your job so suddenly, Miss Muir? I didn't still employed, but when his father ran off to Florida and young Mr. Brandon said he was going away, I didn't see any use cooling my heels in that place, away from my friends. Uh-huh, sure. I think you're barking up the wrong tree, Mr. Dollar. They're all nice people in the agency, every one. Mr. Price, the manager? He's very nice. He has quite a record of being questioned by the police. I don't believe that. It's true. 
Well, I never would have suspected it. I don't know what to think of this, Mr. Dollar. I really don't. I don't either, Miss Mueller. I won't take any more of your time. Thanks a lot. Well, anything I can do to help, please call on me. I said I would and left the apartment. But I got back to her position outside her door in time to hear a phone dialed and a conversation that started, he was here. Proof of blackmail is hard to get without the cooperation of the victim, which is also hard to get. But it looked more and more like that lay behind the trouble. The next morning, I decided to try my luck with Benjamin Price. Yes? Mr. Price? That's right. My name is Dollar. I'm investigating the fire in your building for the insurance company. What do you want from me? I didn't light it. It's funny you should say that. Why? Because in a way, I think you did. You can suspect blackmail all you want. That's one thing, making it stick as another. I guess Bell won't be much of a witness against you, will she? Best kind I can think of. We're going to get married. She's loyal. So why don't you drop it, Dollar? You won't get any place. You feel a little different now than you did when we were moving your safe out of that building. You must have gotten rid of the evidence. I don't get you. Yes, you do. I saw you. Don't you remember? I yelled at you. Don't be ridiculous. The man who was with me, the workman, died yesterday afternoon. With a blackmail that should work into a first-degree murder charge. You're going pretty far, aren't you? Not as far as the men from the police laboratory are going. They're looking for marks from a crowbar in that rubble that came down on us. And they're pretty good. Watch where you talk this stuff up, Dollar. I'm warning you, I don't scare easy and I don't railroad easy. And what are you worried about? Watch where you shoot off your mouth. Now beat it. Go on! I wish you hadn't gone to him, Dollar. You said yourself he was smart. He is, but he's guilty, too. I recognize him and he knows it. What about the father? Well, he got in a little afternoon. He's a pretty important man in Chicago, an ex-public defender. Defense lawyer now with one of the biggest private practices there. Sure, he would be. Yeah, this is the room. We, uh, moved him out of the ward. Mr. Brandon, this is Mr. Dollar from the insurance company. How do you do? Mr. Brandon. Mr. Dollar, I understand that you've done a great deal of work on this situation, and I feel that it's fair to tell you that neither my son or I will make any kind of statement until we take the query under the fullest consideration. That's all right with me, Mr. Brandon. I just left Benjamin Price. You did? Yeah. From his attitude, I take it that the basis of his blackmail is pretty strong. Blackmail? I see no reason for that word to enter the conversation. You're not in a courtroom now, Mr. Brandon. You're in a hospital room where your son has been kept under sedatives because of an almost complete nervous breakdown. Price is convinced that you'll sacrifice your son rather than give us proof that we'll clean this up. He threw that in my face. Mr. Dollar, as an insurance investigator, what is your interest in this case at the moment? Your son has tried to involve an innocent man. The company that hired me would be liable to slander if they try to build a case on his accusations. And you know the insurance companies. Hmm. I do, indeed. I can promise you that we'll dig into your son's background and your background until we get the answers we want. Dad. Just a moment, Bill. If you let Price get through this one untouched, where do you think he'll stop, Mr. Brandon? Dad, make him go. I can't stand anymore. I don't care about myself, but I don't Bill, want... Bill, let me handle this. Mr. Dollar... You must realize that my son acted under severe emotional strain. Could I depend upon you to be a witness in his defense? No, you couldn't. He started something that caused a man's death. Dad, don't let him talk anymore. Just leave me alone and I'll take care of it. I've done it all right so far. Sure, you've done a fine job. Bill, I think it's gone far enough. It has to stop sometime. But, Dad... Dollar, my son was involved in a traffic accident in Chicago two years ago. He was drunk. Woman was killed. There was a witness, and I paid him to perjure himself in our favor. Bill was acquitted. Price found out about that? Yes. How? This man, and his name isn't important now, continued to extort money from me. He phoned at the house in Pine Orchard, and the maid overheard. I didn't know Bill knew about it until today. She didn't know I was there, and I listened to her talk about it. The first one was bad enough, but then with another one, I had to do something. Did you make a payment to the maid? No, somebody else. A man. 
Do you recognize him? Yes. Would you identify him if we took you to him? Yes. The rest, as far as I was concerned, came 20 minutes later when Mr. Brandon, Sergeant Broderick, and I stood in front of Benjamin Price's door. Dollar, haven't you caused... That's the man. Who is this guy? What is this? Get out of here. I think we better come in, Price. No, you don't. I know my rights. You don't come in without a warrant. We got a warrant. What do you want in here? All we want is you, Price. There's a man waiting outside who want to place you at the scene of the murder. You can't do it. I wasn't there. You'll have your chance to prove that if you can. The men want to go through your apartment. Why? To look for traces of soot from the building. All they need is a speck or two. Come on, Bryce. Let's talk it over. Not me. Oh, you know you don't price it. That does it. Okay, pick him up, Dollar. Don't bother to be gentle. He won't care. Expense account item six, $40, miscellaneous. Item seven, two fifty cab fare back to my apartment. I guess the company won't get far trying to avoid the payment of damages, but all of us might make a moral out of the matter. Maybe somebody has said it before, one sin begets another. In this case, the original conspiracy that perjurer witnessed parlayed to an arson indictment. The son fraud and murder for Price and Belmure, and enough charges to put the father out of work for the duration. All I got out of it was a headache. Expense account total, $180. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Days, your home for Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.